0: Federal Drive is presented by GEHA, Government Employees Health Association, proudly providing health and dental benefits to federal employees and their families. Visit GEHA.com. Anyone working in the last few years has likely encountered the DEI movement. That's diversity, equity and inclusion. The Biden administration expanded that by adding an A for accessibility. Our next guest led DEI in the Commonwealth of Virginia before becoming the top DEIA director at the Office of Personnel Management. She's now a new fellow at the National Academy of Public Administration. Federal Drive host Tom Temin got the chance to speak to Janice Underwood about some of her accomplishments.
1: Let's start with with the job itself. I'm not certain exactly what a DEI officer does or what the director of DEIA, as the administration calls it, you've added accessibility. What do you do, actually, in that job?
2: I love that question, Tom, and I'm so pleased to be with you. The role of government-wide chief diversity officer is a relatively new role and has uh, come out of Executive Order 14035 or the DEINA in the federal workforce executive order as a outgrowth of the U.S. Chief Diversity Officer's Executive Council, and so I provide support to all of the chief diversity officers in our federal agencies, whether they're in department agencies or subcomponent agencies. But as the administration has prioritized DEI and A, my team, for which I'm the director of ODEIA at OPM, we provide external support to all of the federal agencies. So I'm not the chief diversity officer for OPM, but what I am is sort of the chief diversity officer for everyone else. Specifically, we provide technical assistance to agencies that are creating and or evaluating their progress for their DEIA strategic plans. I uh, manage and supervise a DEIA learning community where I put top thought leaders and provide opportunities for the federal workforce to learn innovation as it relates to DEIA principles and do things like manage our various reporting. For example, I'm really excited to share that our OPM FEVS data has come out and we are tracking our DEIA index. We set a baseline at 69% in 2022 and my job is to um, increase that baseline uh, by six points by 2026.
1: And for a variety of reasons, organizations large and small and in the public sector and in the private sector kind of rushed in with DEI programs during the aftermath of George Floyd. And all this happened during the pandemic. It was kind of a mixed up time for the nation, I think, in many ways. But what are the proper elements generally that make up a useful DEI program in the first place?
2: I really appreciate that question, and I just want to sort of pause here to say that, you know, this work needs to be done by people who have um, expertise in understanding how to transform organizations to be more effective, understanding theoretical frameworks and the practical applications of them, such as change management frameworks and organizational development, have a background also, in learning and training, so that we are actually contributing to the improvement and sustainment of our organizations. This is not something and this is not work that I recommend people do just because they have a passion for principles of DEI and A. I have a passion for balancing my checkbook, but no one's hiring me to be a CFO, right? And so, just because you may have volunteered, for example, on a project or a special emphasis program or in an ERG doesn't in and of itself make you and a highly qualified chief diversity officer in the private sector or public sector. And so this work really needs to be work that people have a background in data and accountability to understand how we move organizations from good to great and specifically how we move our organizations across the maturity model that we put out for agencies to use in the government-wide strategic plan for DEI&A. There are three steps that we want our federal agencies to move on um, and to move through. The initial step is like a compliance um, sort of starting at the ground zero, but we ultimately want agencies to move to step 2 which is called advancing and then of course step 3 which is called sustaining. And step 3 is sort of the gold standard or the platinum standard where agencies are in- engaging in promising practices that can be used as exemplars for other agencies where they can begin to coach and support other agencies in 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 getting to that that sustaining leading and sustaining phase. So we want people, highly qualified people, not just people with passion or an interest, but people who understand how to use data, people who understand how to, you know, support the development of organizations and solve problems. DEIA is about thinking um, strategically about employee experience and how that relates to customer experience. How do we improve organizational health of our organizations and how do we also increase equal opportunity
1: for all. We're speaking with Dr. Janice Underwood. She's director of the Office of Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, and Accessibility at the Office of Personnel Management. And I guess the second question is, once you have those elements in place, compliance, and I guess government in some ways has been exemplary for decades in compliance with the idea of everybody having equitable access to jobs and so forth. The practice may not be the same, but at least the compliance measures have been in place. How do you measure whether you are getting better at DEIA?
2: Well, I alluded it to this measure or metric as we think about um, our OPM FEVS uh, data, our Federal Employee Viewpoint Survey. And I want all the listeners to, to know that you know, we were thinking about how do you measure success? Because what we know for sure is you can't change what you don't measure and you won't measure that which you don't acknowledge. And so what we have done is we've acknowledged that DEIA is a priority. And so we have developed questions for all four of the letters, the D, the E, the I, and the A, and we have created what's called a DEINA and A index. And we uh, have uh, surveyed 1.6 million of our civilian employees. And what we've learned is that their perceptions are relatively positive to the questions related to all four letters. We created that baseline, as I mentioned earlier, at 69%, which makes me know that 69% generally have positive perceptions about DEINA. and And this index will be used to really benchmark our progress going forward. We just released our 2023 data, and what we saw was an increase in our DEIA index. And so we're really pleased to see that government-wide, our fellow federal employees have generally a very positive or increasingly positive viewpoint of DEIA according to our index. That is one of our major measurements, but also our maturity model. We will be measuring agencies and their growth and progress using the maturity model that's located in the government-wide strategic plan for DEI and all of our agencies created assessments and did their individual agency assessments in 2021 and have submitted their DEI plans all of the agencies that are required to do so under EO 14035 submitted them and so now they're really implement, they're in the implementation phase. Now what are we doing about it? How are we going to meet our goals? But let me be also clear, Tom. Every agency doesn't have identical goals because every agency's mission is different. Uh, and so agencies had the autonomy to create their own plans and think about their own goals. And now they're implementing them and starting to track their progress. So we certainly want to understand the progress they're making, and my office exists to support them in that DEIA journey.
1: Now, you come to this job having done a similar job statewide in the Commonwealth of Virginia and maybe discuss a little bit of the experience there, what you learned, what some of the outcomes were that you took to Washington crossing the river.
2: Yes. So in 2019, former Governor Ralph Northam appointed me as the nation's first cabinet level chief diversity officer. This was the first position of its kind to exist to a governor's cabinet and serve in a secretary level role. Uh, Since leaving that role, what I learned was that, you know, we get a lot more done together and as not in silos. And so I was honored to support six other states to create a similar position in their governor's office. Uh, But while I was in the Commonwealth of Virginia in this amazing role, working for an amazing administration, you know, we created what's called the One Virginia Plan. And and this effort truly did unite our state on our One Virginia mission, which is to create a state where everyone feels welcome to live, learn, visit, work, and thrive, right? And so we really, really, really dug deep into that mission and brought together people who agreed with one another, disagreed with one another, were politically diverse, culturally diverse, and diverse in so many other dimensions of diversity. Brought everyone together and, and said, how can we move together as a state? And as a result of that, we came up with the One Virginia Plan, the first statewide strategic plan for DE&I, and linked it to our entire racial equity agenda for the North administration. So in that role, I was able to lead the equity accomplishments across all secretariats and really think about it from the perspective of making Virginia the best state to you know come work live raise a family and by the way Tom because of our DEI strategy we won best state for which to do business 3 years in a row one of those years was during covid and so CNBC did not publicize their rankings but Our last ranking in 2021 was specifically because of our um, equity-driven innovation. So, so so many lessons learned, and I'll just also share with you, we learned that it's so important to think about these things as part of a holistic strategy and not just a one and done, um, not just because of the racial reckoning of 2020 did we start this racial equity journey in Virginia, We started that racial equity and that racial reckoning in 2019, long before the summer of 2020, because Virginia was going through its own sort of racial reckoning crisis and coming to understand um, the 1619 project and the true history of the Commonwealth of Virginia, not the Commonwealth of Virginia, but just understanding the history. And so um, we codified that position, Tom, as a permanent cabinet level position to serve every future governor. We codified the fact that all state agencies and universities had to report a DEI plan to the governor and to the Virginia Chief Diversity Officer. And that legislation and that sort of part of the role still exists today across administrations.
1: And just to get back to the more parochial, earlier you mentioned tying DEIA at the federal level with customer experience and just as a final question maybe tie that loop for us.
2: Well, what we know is that DEI and A is all about building a better workforce for the American people. It's what I've said since I came on in 2022 and it's what I go around the nation talking about. I'm sort of as the face of DEI and A and What I mean by that is, we have to build our internal federal workforce because we serve you, the American people. And if we wanna increase customer experience um, with every facet of where the American people connect with the federal government, we have to make sure that we're taking care of our workforce because our number one job in public service is to serve the American people. And so we can't do that unless we have a innovative, um, well-taken-care-of, um, highly-trained workforce. And so that's where DEINA come in, comes in, and so proud to do this work.
1: And by the way, you are, of course, a new NAPA inductee, a fellow at the National Academy of Public Administration. So I can kind of guess what issues you're going to be working on there.
2: Absolutely. And so I I am super excited to be inducted as one of the 2023 fellows. I'm excited also and energized to be part of the social equity standing panel. But Tom, I've been working with that panel as a volunteer for the last couple of years now. Well, what I will tell you, and this is what I told Terry Girton and all others, is that principles of social equity and D E I and A, racial equity, all of these really these concepts, these principles of democracy, by the way, actually belong in all of the major challenges that NAPA is addressing. And so particularly, let me give you an example. I'm excited to start really digging my feet in into the ethical uses of AI and the equity implications that are emerging with the, um, you know, increased conversations about AI because these are conversations that belong in all of the standing panels, in all of the conversations across all the grand challenges. And so excited to be part of the NAPA family.
0: Dr. Janice Underwood is director of the Office of Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, and Accessibility at the Office of Personnel Management and a recent inductee to the National Academy of Public Administration. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash federal drive. Subscribe to the Federal Drive wherever you get your podcasts.